Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. I am honored for today's guest to stop by on our way to Dade City. We have uh, Lori Chain on the show today. Lori has quite a uh, interesting history in the Tampa Bay area uh, with her work both in family law and in criminal defense. I uh, first met her a couple years ago when we had a, uh, a Tampa Bay Bucks related case with each other. And since that time, I've gotten to know her personally. Uh, we are very much on the same page politically and in other ways. So uh, I was excited to have her agree to stop by today and talk with us kind of about what's going on uh, current event wise, political wise, and talk to us about, you know, her career and, and some of the, uh, interesting stories that she's had during that time. So thank you for stopping by today. Thanks for having me. Um, so I had asked you to come on the show just because I think you're an interesting person. And before I had even recalled that you had been involved in Eileen Warno's case, and then you reminded me, which you had previously told me, and I'd forgotten about Bobby Joe Long. So I don't want to start off there. That's going to be kind of the, uh, the brownie at the bottom of the Sunday okay. that we can get to at the end, but I'm okay. excited to ask you some questions about that. So I know that you, did you start off with the public defender? Started with the public defender in 1989. Was that, was that over in Pinellas or Pasco? Or? I started in Pasco. Are you a Florida native? Yes. Grew up in West Palm. Born really? in Orlando, grew up in West Palm. Wow. Orlando, West Palm, Tampa. Right. That's interesting. So uh, are you an only child or do you nope, have siblings? No, I have a sister who's four years younger and a brother who's eight years younger. And do they live here locally? One's, my sister's in Atlanta. My brother's in uh, West Palm, North okay. Palm. Okay, okay. Yeah. Are you the only attorney in the family? Nope, my brother is an attorney. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What type of law does he practice? He does commercial litigation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so that's a different, a different path. Um, and what about your sister? What does she do? She does um, marketing. So she does... Um, Loyalty programs for like Tractor Supply and Estee Lauder oh, yeah. and things like that. My brother-in-law does, uh, he did that for uh, cruise lines and for like Ramada and resorts. And it's all these direct mail packages and these incentive-based things and mm-hmm. gas vouchers and uh, timeshares and all that kind of. Yeah. It's a very interesting world, you know. Uh, the the I, I've tried to talk to him about how that could apply in marketing a legal business and a, pretty much every idea that he has would be a bar violation. Yeah, I don't I don't think it would work, but yeah, hers is really neat because they go into different businesses like SD Lauder, you know, makeup or um, you know, Banana Republic. We all gather those points and we try and use them right. and that's what she does. She sets them up for individual companies like now, that. Now, what was your maiden name? Chain. It is Chain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the family I know that you're of Jewish Faith, mm-hmm. if yep. not heritage, yep. um, where 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 does your family hail from originally? Are you have you ever done the DNA yep. or anything? Okay. Yep. So, well, my father is first generation American. Okay. So his mother was Russian. His father was Lithuanian. Okay. Um, my mother's family is second generation. My mother sec- was second generation American, and her family was German Polish. Okay. I think I had told you recently that I did the ancestry DNA and found out that I was 10% Ashkenazi uh, Jew, which I had no idea Welcome. about. Well, that's right. Yeah, I was I was so excited. I reached out to all of my Jewish friends and I was like, I'm part of the family, you know, because I'd always thought I was just pretty much purely Irish Scottish, mm-hmm. but a little bit a little bit in there. So um, anyway, so uh, Orlando, how long were you in Orlando? Oh, gosh. Till I was two, and then my dad moved to. My dad was an engineer. He worked okay. for Martin Marietta. Okay. We went to Huntsville. He worked on um, Huntsville, Alabama. Oh wow. Um, with Martin Marietta, okay. we stayed there two years, and I was back in West Palm by the time I was four. 
So by the time you were really aware of the world or have any mm-hmm. recollection, it was West, West Palm. West Palm Beach, yep. And how did you like West Palm growing up? Loved it. I didn't really know any different. I, my experience of West Palm is a tale of two cities because you've got like the beach area right. and then you come over the bridges and it's like, not backwoods, but it's kind of a lot more uh, country almost. West Palm is country, and I don't even think it was country when I was there. I mean, if you go far, far, far west, it, yeah. it certainly is. But we lived, um, we lived in in West Palm, and um, you know, it was nice. My my mom grew up there. Her all of her siblings were there. I had cousins there. So a really big family. Yeah, it was down nice. There. Yeah. Um, now uh, I know that you uh, presently are very um, politically involved. Do you remember your family being very politically knowledgeable at a young Always. age? Always. So that was Always. a big thing in the house. Always, yeah. Um, both, both mom and dad. Absolutely. And did they talk about it with you guys at an early age? Always. Really. Always. That's great. And and what are your earliest uh, recollections of political talk? I have I have this recollection of summer. Learned, my mom teaching me to iron clothes and watching Ollie North hearings on TV. So. Tell you what I remember is I remember when I was a kid because I'm much older than you are. Afternoons were the cartoons. Yeah. And so I would come home from school and we had a rocking chair in the living room and I would sit down and have a snack. And I was upset because it was the Watergate hearings. Right. And it took away from all the cartoons and all the stuff I wanted to watch. And I can just remember my mom didn't like Nixon but felt bad for his wife. Yeah. And was just embarrassed for her of all the things that she did. Yeah. In many ways, I feel that way for Melania, but yeah, she uh, well, sold her soul. there's an opportunist. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, you know, or Barron or some of these other people who are kind of indentured into, you know. I feel sorry for Barron. Yeah, okay, That's we it. can we can we can agree on that. So, well, but no, I, I like I like that you know seeing seeing past just the initial focal point of the the ire. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. Um, so she didn't like Nixon, and and then. Uh, when where did you go to high school? Was that in West Palm? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and then where did you go to college? USF. And what years was that? I went there in eighty five, and I graduated. No, wait a second. I gra- went there in eighty two and graduated in eighty five. Graduated early. So Reagan years. Yeah. Okay. Were you uh, acutely aware of Reagan? Very aware, and I was an international studies major. Okay. So you know, I was very involved with. Um, international politics or aware of it and doing all this stuff. And I remember calling my dad once and telling him that we were doing a, um, a sit-in um, against Kissinger at the time. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm, I just want to let you know I'll probably get arrested and I'll need you to bond me out. Yeah. And he said, don't call me. Really? <laughs> Do not get arrested. Because he didn't want you arrested or because he didn't agree with your stance? He or? totally agreed with my stance. He but, did not want me to get arrested. Yeah. Did you get arrested? No. Okay. No. Um, so you were even you, you didn't buy into the the romantic view of Reagan even at the time it was happening. Oh no 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 okay. no no! no. I, a lot of people after the fact kind of saw more of it for what it was, but during that time where mm-hmm. kind of everything was rosy. No. Yeah. No. Um, were you involved in politics? Were you working with people on uh, the voting, and were you doing any of that stuff early on? I'm trying to remember the first political election I got involved in. Um, I think I was involved with Dukakis somewhat. Yeah. Um, 
So in college, one of the funny things is we had we lived in Temple Terrace, right. and we had a fireplace, and we had a huge picture of Jimmy Carter over our fireplace. Um, I'm trying to remember the first election I got super involved in. Right. Um, not really sure. Yeah. Well, I, I I was born in '75, so I think that might have been Ford going into Carter. I think okay. it was right at the, the end there. Not much of a recollection of Carter, although in retrospect, I've just always thought he was a good man. I, right. You know, yeah. Uh, Reagan, I was too young to have really any idea about. I started paying more attention when it was Bush Sr., mm-hmm. and a big part of that was because of Saturday Night Live, and I remember Dana Carvey you know, would right. do him, uh, then really got in with Clinton and you know, mm-hmm. thereafter, but... Uh, uh, my my family, so I was an only child, but my dad was progressive to the point of, I mean, he was a hippie. He was, you know, he, he I think he probably w- would have been blacklisted if he were old mm-hmm. enough to have been around that time because he thought everybody should have a car that just said car on it and was provided by the government. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was bordering on communists, but uh, so that was... You know, I always appreciate like my wife comes from a conservative family, but she's she's, you know, shares my political views. So I'm always a little bit more impressed by people who are able to kind of break free of family politics right, and right. kind of go in their own way. Um, but in any event, so well, I'll tell you a funny story. So my grandma, my grandmother emigrated from Russia okay. and then she was very much a feminist for the time. Let's sure. put it that way. So she went back. She took a, a cruise back. I don't know if cruise is the right word to meet somebody. And she met my grandfather in Lithuania, came back here. But she was very involved in factories and union organizing and all of this. And she apparently was arrested for being a communist. Yeah. Um, and nothing happened to that. But when my father worked for Martin Marietta and he worked for NASA, it really impacted his Came efforts. up in a background check? Oh, or? yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It's so weird, and 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 now today it's like pro Russia, <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, wait a second, what was all the last hundred years about, right. you know? But uh, anyway, so you said you're not the only attorney, but are you the first attorney? In my immediate family, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, what planted that seed? Was it the political? No idea. I no? don't even remember making the decision to go yeah. to law school. It was just, I graduated college and. I didn't really have a plan. Did you go right into law school or did you take a little bit of time in I between? I took a little bit. I graduated in December um, and I was working in Tampa at a property appraiser and I broke my arm. So that was the end of my typing career. Your arm? Car accident. Oh. And um, so I ended up working for the public defender's office the summer before I went to law school. Okay. And that was just a fantastic experience. In the sixth or? Nope, in West Palm. Oh, West Palm, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was just a fantastic experience. Met some incredible lawyers, got to do really neat things, got to see a lot. And I wasn't in law school yet. And then my second summer after my first year, I went back to the PD's office and got to do a little bit more and um, just loved it. Where'd you go to law school? Miami. Okay. So what year would that have been? 85 to 80. No, wait a second. 86 to 89. And how big was your class? About 400 maybe. And how many women of... 400 it was there were a lot it was pretty yeah by that yeah, point yeah there were okay, a lot okay did you ever face uh either in law school or coming out as a female attorney having the feeling of an uneven playing field in date city yes yeah, yeah yes even today or not no. so much today but you know and when i got to date city there was only a handful of women sure um 
because I was, you know, Dade City offered a lot of wonderful opportunities that you would never experience again because of the time and all the things that were going on. Um, but one of the things was is the other female who was in our office didn't like to try cases, which is a hard thing for a PD's office. Yeah. So anytime there was a sex case or uh, a child victim, they wanted me on the case. Right. So it gave me a great opportunity to try a lot of cases. Right. Um, so that was... You know, that's kind of a little bit of reverse sexism, but it was there. Yeah. Um, I certainly had clients who didn't want me because I was uh, a female. Um, it was very different when I was pregnant. That right. was, you know, there were rules that you wouldn't see. I, Lori can't go to the jail. Lori can't go back then. We did Baker Acts at the prison in Zephyr yeah. Hills. I, I can't send her to the prison. I can't. Um, just things were a little bit different right, right, than right. they are now. So did you go straight to Dade City out of law school? or yeah. how did How did you find your way to Dade City? Um, I wanted to be a public defender. Okay. That's really what I wanted to do at that point. There was a hiring freeze. A friend of mine's dad had been a public defender in the early in the early years with with Jagger, and got me an interview. And he said I have an opening, and it's in Dade City. And um, he sent me from Clearwater. So he interviewed in Clearwater. He sent me seventy five or two seventy five to Fowler to three hundred one North. Mm-hmm. No cell phone. No map. No idea how far this place was, and um, they interviewed me, and I got the job. I, 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 you always know I'm going to Dade City because I make posts on Facebook <laughs> the whole way about how there's seven planets closer to Tampa than yeah. Dade City, and how it always gets the drive is somehow always longer every time I go to Dade City. Oh, it's and it's always one. funny in political years, uh, uh, election years, because. I, you know, I remember it was Rick Perry sign, you know, you see a lot of very kind of conservative right. signs as you go out there. And not only that, there's like 10 variations of dollar stores as you're getting on either the, side yeah, of the street. Dollar General, yeah. Dollar, That's new. yeah. So it's, it's always just kind of its own little world yeah. out there. But the good thing about it is, is it's not as saturated as it is down here. It's, it's getting more saturated. You know, I, it was really nice when I first got there. So when I first got there in um, in 89, our county court judge, and I was in county court for about a year, he, Judge Seaver, and he would print out every year what the crimes were and what the penalties were, whether you went to trial or not. So that was it. That was it. So you had no incentive to plead things out. And he would do three three trials in a day, pick and go, pick and go, pick and go. My first year as a lawyer, I did 55 jury trials, and I don't think there are too many people who can say that. I always thought I had a lot over in Pinellas, but I didn't have remotely that many, so that's that's definitely a lot. And I've always heard, and I don't know if it's true, but there's like this boogeyman tale, urban legend, that it's like an 85% conviction rate in, in Pasco. I don't know if that's I've an... I've never heard that. Yeah, like you go to trial, you're pretty much getting, you're getting nailed to the wall. Just because the juries are so rough and pro prosecution out there, I don't know. If that I, was I your never experience. experienced that. I had a pretty good. Um, maybe you were the other thirty-five percent or forty-five percent. Maybe, maybe. Um, you know, and so I, that was just in in one year, and then I did felonies and capital stuff after that. And how long were you at the public defender? Seven and a half years. Now, was your time at the public defender when you dealt with those cases that we were talking about, Warnos? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. so which one did you handle first? Long. And did you, what was your, were you directly representing him or were mm-hmm. you first chair, second chair? Second chair. I was young. Okay. Um, so that was the third retrial in Pasco County at that point. And um, our chief at that time, who's my former law partner, Bill Ebel, okay. had tried the second one and that got remanded. And so we were on the third um, and we got a change of venue. 
so we ended up trying it in Ocala, um, and I was second chair, and I was primarily penalty phase. I did a little bit in the in the actual trial stuff. Did you get to meet with him at all? Many times. And how was that? He liked me. I will. He liked me. Yeah. Um, he Which liked is me. spooky, knowing... You know what, with, with and, and this happened a lot, Bill and I tried a lot of cases together, um, but he was always kind of bad cop, and I was always good cop. Um, I could calm him down. I still have lots of letters that he wrote me, um, and he would write me letters. <clears throat> you still have them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're a little weird. The last one, when I stopped corresponding with him, he wrote this letter to me, and he, and, um, he talked about how he had a dream that we were on a dive boat, and, and it it got a little creepy, and there were drawings. And Are you married yet? Um, yes. Did you show him to your husband? Um, I don't remember if I showed him, but I yeah. wouldn't have not shown him. Yeah. I mean that. Well, no, that I, I I always had you know my wife's an attorney too, and she's right. my partner, and sometimes when we would get spookier clients in, I I it was kind of that reverse sexism you're talking yeah, about. It's yeah. Like, I, if someone's going to be staying after hours to prep this person for a hearing, I'd rather it be me than than you. So well, he was already on death you, row uh, by sure. the time, no, so I mean, there was no possibility. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah be you're fine there, him. but I'm just yeah. saying, um, you know, for that sort of thing going on. So one of the things that I've often kind of gone back and forth with in my mind, and I've had these conversations with my father when he was alive, and different people that I respect their opinions on things. But as a as an intellectual person who gets nuanced, do you think that there is evil? in the world or do you think it's all just sickness and you know chemical mental imbalance or you know a, a product of their environment or a product of of some sort of psychological oh. do you know what i'm saying yeah I, I think is there like a metaphysical evil out there is no, it do you think no. it can really all just be attached to illness you know, the physical DSM issues and, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i do i i don't think any but yeah i think and that's why when you do capital work and you go back and you you can kind of figure out kind of where these issues developed. Right. Their upbringing. And even when I was at the PD's office and you were dealing with juveniles, you could often see, you know, you'd look at these kids and you could just see their future in front of them and, yeah. and, and in a sad way. Yeah. So my dad was at one point in the seminary to become a priest up mm. in Missouri. And one of the things that he would do is he would go out to the prison and they would, you know, talk to the prisoners and stuff. And he would tell me that the, one of the biggest things is that they are con men in the sense of no one's guilty that's in prison. Everyone has a story of how mm -hmm. they were wronged or misunderstood. There was no acceptance of responsibility for their position in life. Um, so I'm wondering with, with Long, was he a persuasive person? Was he a charming person? You know, you always think of Ted Bundy and what he was able to do to kind of convince people to uh, follow him was... Was was Bobby Joe Long that way, or was he a little bit? He was a little kind of whiny. Yeah. Um, he he liked me, and you know we could have conversations. But I was also incredibly young. I think I was twenty six years old, twenty seven years old, um, and um, I don't know that he really took me very seriously. Were you scared of him? Um. Remember being scared of him? Did you have direct conversations with him about what he had done? Like, did oh, you yeah. ask him, "Did you do this?" or "What were you thinking?" or like? We talked a lot about that because yeah. by the time we got involved, did you know much about his case? Very vaguely, but for some reason, I thought there was a body that was dumped in St. Pete. Uh, I, I know that Dillinger was had the case at some point. 
I don't think Dillinger ever. I, I read. I, I read up today because I wanted to ask okay. you about it. And there was something to do where Dillinger had to tender the file up north to another case. There was some kind of thing, but I mean, it was women in the Tampa Bay area, right? It was Tampa Bay. Okay. It was Tampa Bay. So there were nine um, murders. Eight of them occurred in Tampa, and so okay. he was represented by the Hillsborough County Public Defender's Office in those. And his lawyer here entered into a plea deal where he would plead guilty to all of them, but they could only seek death on one of them. He okay. got life on, on a bunch of them, seek death on one, but they couldn't use the facts of the other cases against him. And so that's ultimately, so in our case, we got a judgment of acquittal from the Supreme Court, which is a gigantic wow. legal win. I mean, yeah. it's pretty wow. Yeah. Um, and the reason that we got that was the Florida Supreme Court took the position, as we did in that third retrial, was here's this plea deal. The state attorney is the state attorney. They're not the state attorney only for Hillsborough County, they were making a deal across the board. So when they accepted, when he accepted that deal, it tied the hands of the um, Pinellas right. and, and Pasco um, state attorney that they then can't use those facts for a later it's conviction. It's interesting. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying that it's the state attorney is the state attorney, but having one county tying the hands of other counties is kind of an interesting. Right. Is that is that what the issue was? That was the main issue, sure. And so what was the ruling? I mean, you said that they, they came back with an acquittal, but was that the basis of the analysis? That was the primary basis, yes. That's interesting. That they couldn't. And so then the only other evidence was this hair and fiber. Um, and, you know, I reread the opinion this morning because it's been 101 years. But... Um, I'm listening to the you. opinion. The opinion didn't talk about this, but the FDLE guy who had, who had evaluated all this hair and fiber, we knew at that point that he had made up most of it, that there really wasn't the science to it. The Supreme Court really just addressed it and said there isn't enough substantial evidence to to meet the burden that the hair of this victim and the fiber here that they were that they I mean, were. That mixed. was very early days of that kind of stuff. Wasn't very it? early. Yeah. I mean, very I've watched early. I've watched so many programs now and seen where you know guesswork and just kind of they made it all up and they did this whole thing these red trilobal fibers that they found on her body that they supposedly matched to his vehicle yeah yeah and so the other really cool thing about my experience with bobby joe long is he was arrested in 1985 and i was living in tampa right and my roommate at the time manage an ice cream store in Carrollwood. And I used to go there because you know, I was young and thin and I'd eat ice cream for free on yeah. a Sunday night for dinner. And we, I watched him get arrested. Oh, wow. And you know, who knew all those years later? I was a college senior sure. at the time. And we watched the whole thing. And it was a big deal because there was a serial killer loose in Tampa and we were young women and it was a big news. And yeah. our, you know, our parents were saying, stay in the house, lock the doors. Um, and so it was really interesting that I watched that whole thing. And then later on, when I became involved in the case, what I saw and how it fit with the suppression issues that happened and all of those things. That's so neat. crazy, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I don't know how true this is, but I, I remember my mom saying that she was at, at, up in school around the time of Bundy, and mm -hmm. I think she even said that one of her friends went on a, a date, a double date, or there was some kind of mm -hmm. experience there. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder what it is about Florida. You know, have, have you... Spent much time thinking about California, Texas, Florida, like why, you know, did you really get into the psychology behind it, that these people who do these things? and How they end up here? Yeah, just thinking about it. Um, I think the, the way that the traffic flows around here, I think that that, I think that there's a lot of people who come here and they're transient, you know, yeah. they don't have a lot of ties here. Um, yeah, I think the I weather's got to play a big role in it. Sure, that's why I people mean, come here. you know. 
every day of the year, there's people outside. There's there's a you know, uh, not to be too morbid, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not a hunter. But you know, when you, there's there's seasons when you go out and there's nothing out there, and there's seasons that you go out and it's you know a deer. I mean, mm-hmm. it's overstocked here, and every day of the year is available. So I think as you get up into the northern parts, it's a lot harder to to do the things right. that these people want to do. Right. Um, so I graduated from law school in 2002, and my wife and I went and worked at the state attorney's office over in Pinellas County. Mm-hmm. And in my time there, I got to meet uh, Joe Hobson, mm-hmm. who uh, is a character, mm-hmm. anybody who knows him. And my wife and I, I left the state attorney's office in 2005. We got married, and I don't know why we ended I think another friend of ours went to St. Lucia for... Uh, their honeymoon and so for some reason i was just like okay i guess we should go to saint lucia so i booked the trip to saint lucia after we got for our honeymoon we went there and it was like the worst storm in the history of saint lucia so we were basically in our room the entire time and there was one channel that spoke english and it was like a court tv mm-hmm. i turned it on and there's joe hobson with eileen warnos oh. um so that's my tie-in ah, okay. so uh, and it was, I think, in Marion County. Uh, he didn't. I don't think he represented her in Marion. County. Okay. Well, I know. He was I knew a, who did. Okay. Well, he was involved in that case, mm-hmm. and then you were involved in that case. Right. And right. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how aware I was of her before the movie came out, um, the mm-hmm. the monster movie. Mm-hmm. But after that, I was acutely aware of her, and it was so. And and I had seen it by that point, and was kind of. Uh, dumbstruck to know that Joe was involved in that and then since found out that you were involved mm-hmm. in that. So what was your entry point into that case? So kind of a little bit tied to Long. So at that point, we we tried Long in Ocala. And so the Marion County Public Defender's Office was just a fantastic host to us. They really yeah. helped us out a lot. And so they were the the first arrest on Warnos was in um, Daytona. Okay. Public defender gets appointed there. The two people or three people who were involved in that case decided to sell book rights. Yeah to it so they were conflicted off really okay. quickly um and marianne county and it was trish going blank on her last name um trish and bill and i'm going blank on That's all okay. the last it names happens but... to me all the time and as soon as this is over right. all of it's going to come back to you right yeah so they were asked to go to daytona and work on it and then we got the indictment in pasco um so at that point i got involved with it and now, again, did you get to meet with her and talk with her? Many times. And how was that compared to Long? How was she? She was seriously mentally ill. She seemed a lot more feral, like just kind of crazy. Just, you know, id, like. Feral's the perfect word yeah, for her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she had the, the eyes. It just, she almost looked like she was a shark about to be. She was, she was really scary. And, yeah. you know, I've told this story a lot because I, I speak to the high schools a couple times a year. But one of the stories was, is she was in Pasco and the holding cell. Have you ever been in the holding cells in Pasco? In uh, Dade City? Land of Lakes or? No, no, this was holding cells in the courthouse. Okay. And so there's a little holding cell for the men in the back. And then there was like this little tiny room that probably isn't any bigger than this table. Yeah. Okay. And it had a steel door, little teeny um, square of glass. And so they had her in there because she was the only female. Right. And she's belly shackled. And, and I had to talk to her before court. And they take me in there. There's two chairs and we're, we're knee to knee. Yeah. And I'm telling her what's going to happen and what to expect because you really had to, you had to prep her because she was just not yeah. predictable. And we're there and she's all belly shackled. And all of a sudden she starts crying hysterically. Uh-huh. 
And then she stops and goes, I look like a sausage when I cry. And it was, I, I don't know what about that. It was so freaky. Oh, my and God. And I, I didn't get freaked out very easily by a lot of people. Yeah. But it was strange. Well, um, what's interesting about that, I mean, not that I'm any kind of expert in the field, but I mean, there's not a lot of the female serial killers mm -hmm. or mass murderers, you know, mm -hmm. there's just not a lot. So it's interesting for her to kind of break new ground. And in, in somewhat of a similar way, when I bought this building, I bought this building in 2017, which is when uh, the shooter was mm. going around here shooting people. And that's another one that really just doesn't fit the right. mold, you know, for a number of reasons, right. both the manner of the killing, the type of the victims, the background of the family. Right. And, you know, there's just not a lot of black male, right. you know, there's just so it's interesting as much as people think they have a, a lock on why people do these things. It's either they don't or there are outliers that you just don't expect. Sure. That one was really strange. Yeah. Well, it's still strange. I right. mean, what's going on? I know that they were wanting to prosecute the parents because the parents wouldn't talk right. and the way that he turned himself in and, you know, yeah. just, just a lot of bizarre. Do you follow that case at uh, all? A little bit. I felt for those parents. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a hard, hard position to it's be kind of like Nixon's wife, you know, oh, yeah. these people who kind of by yeah. no choice of their own have found themselves in the public eye for dark reasons. Yeah. And you know, you love your children, good, bad, and indifferent. You love your children. So when did you leave the public defender's office? In 1996. Okay. And did you go right out on your own yes. or? And did you work with any partners, or were you solo? From I went with um, the chief of the PD's office was Bill Ebel, and okay. he and I went out together. Okay. Now, what's is he around, or is yep, he? Yep, he's okay. now with Bay Area Legal Services. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. How long were the two of you together? Um, from a long time. Um, gosh, probably fifteen years. Yeah. A long time. Oh, okay. So, and did you get right into family law, or is that something that kind of happened after the fact? Um. It happened pretty quickly after yeah. it. You know, family law, the skills that you have are litigation. So it's just a matter of learning the law. Yeah. And so that's what came in. Um, I still did, you know, I was initially on the court appointed list. Yeah. Um, and I was desk certified. So I initially did that kind of work. Um, but it was really hard to do without a big office and a lot of staff. And It is. I mean, it's just a lot of paperwork, a lot mm -hmm. of scheduling, a lot of all those different things. You mm -hmm. really need to have kind of a an army behind you to, right. to do that work well. And we well, didn't have it at the yeah, time. Yeah. So do you do much criminal defense anymore? Very little. Very little. So mm -hmm. it's pretty much entirely family law. Um, I'm doing estate planning and some elder oh, law really? now. Mm -hmm. Oh, some okay. probate. Yep. That's good. Do you know Tom Tripp over in Pinellas County? I don't County? think so. Mm -mm. Okay. He's kind of my, who I always ask my questions to about that stuff. He's been doing it forever over there. Um, now you, so I kind of was talking to you a little bit about this before and I, 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 maybe, maybe your story so far has alluded to what the answer is, but you don't live in Dade city or no, you live here in South, South Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you make a pretty good drive every morning. Yep. So was it because of your connections just being up there is how you ended up there? Or is it more of a business thing, a combination of both or something um, else? I got the job there. Okay. And initially they told me I only had to stay in Dade City one year. Okay. Um, but Dade City presented opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten in Tampa or Pinellas, yeah. whatever. Um, so I stayed up there and I didn't move up there. My husband and I briefly considered moving up there. And we had another family. And as you mentioned, I'm Jewish. And the other um, my friend's parents said it was a mistake, that it was too hard. Right. Well, then also, you have two daughters. Right. I didn't at the time. And I don't yeah. know what the schools are like up there versus, you know, where you're at down here. But 
Schools are better would have in South to, Tampa. Would have to have played in. Right. Now you're is one in high school and one in college or no? One is graduated from college. Oh wow. She's 23. She'll be 24 in September, and one is going into her sophomore year in college. What what schools did they go to? Um, my oldest went to New College in Sarasota. Okay. Okay. And my youngest is at SCAD. Okay. They seem like great girls. I you know, I know we were mm-hmm. always kind of fans of each other's children mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful girls. Yep. Um, and I know you guys are very close. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, so uh, your office is in Dade City, uh, pretty much entirely family law. Now, I know we had that Bucks case together, which kind of had sent me into mm-hmm. a number of Bucks players, which mm-hmm. is I, I was trying to see if I could carve out a niche where I could go and speak to rookies for NFL teams and talk to them about how saving not money. to saving money, how not to get involved in a paternity case, how Birth to control, you know, impulse control, you know, finding. And then the other thing that often happens when I have these guys is they just want to turn around and pay. They either don't want to pay the support or they want to pay it all up front. Yeah. Which is bizarre. You know, I'm like, do you know that you're not getting injured next season? <laughs> do right. you know that right. you're right. going to be making this income for the remainder of their minority? But it, it, they they very much just want an answer right now. They don't want to like have to worry about it past today. And so, I I really think that there is a disservice to athletes. Um, they're they're not that not that me talking to them is going to change behavior, but at least give them a chance to kind of. There's so much money thrown at these young people who you know, and they think cars and stuff is the answer. And really, for many of them, if they took that money and they lived reasonably, not saying low, but lived reasonably, um, they could really have a a significant investment for their future, right? And then these kids come out, and they don't have anything. Well, I, I, at one point, before I had children, I was really into, uh, like, boxing and martial arts and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I had this idea that I wanted to almost create a hedge fund or like a collective bargaining for fighters to get them health insurance that they couldn't get and wasn't provided to them through the promotions mm-hmm. that they have. Because another thing that happens to these fighters and happens to football players and a lot of people who have these contact sports is the money that they're making today is almost a long play on the diminished life that they're going to have as they get older, either through concussions you know, brain just, injury. Oh, you, you, yeah. You, you know, you see all these suicides that these players, Aaron mm-hmm. Hernandez, right. a lot of these different people. And, you know, I don't know how much of that is due to blunt force trauma and all this other stuff, but that money is money you're going to very likely need down the road to deal with the damage that right. you're doing to yourself. Right. Right. Uh, and then another thing is, and this, this can maybe be our segue into political discourse, okay. but um, I had started. When it first came out, watching the documentary Thirteenth, uh, have you seen that? I haven't. Netflix? Oh my God, you got to watch it. I know. I'm you not. Got to watch it. I'm so bad about television. I know, but man, alive. There's just there's so much meat on the bone there. But uh, I was talking about it. So I had my friend Brian Scriven come in. Do you know Brian? I don't, but I was actually listening. to Okay, you. great, great guy. And I, I really, I, I, I may potentially. I'm all over the place now. I apologize. I may be able to have Mike McLaughlin come on my show, who's the father of Maurice McLaughlin, who was the mm-hmm, gentleman mm-hmm. who was killed yep. over in Pinellas County. Right. And I, I really, you know, want to. If there's anything that is positive from what's happening right now, it's, it's really bringing front and center for me at least the desire to change the way I teach my children, uh, what I introduce my children to, because I really think that 
changing ourselves is one thing, but kind of giving our children an opportunity to to improve upon where we're at is the mm-hmm. best thing that I can be doing. And so the only reason, the only way that I could think about that was by talking to people, you know, talking to African American black people and ask them what their experience was. And so I got to talk with him a little bit about that. But anyways, going back to the where I was, that 13th documentary talks about how the 13th Amendment bo- abolished slavery, mm-hmm. except for people who were quote unquote criminals. Mm. So effectively what it did is made a carve out to now turn slaves into criminals and do the exact same thing that they were doing as. And it's systematic. I mean, there's just so much about it. But then you, you, but, but so, and I'm sorry I cut you off, but, but in a way I see that with sports too. And not to, 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 you know, is you're kind of creating these servitudes in different ways and calling it something different from what you had called it. But um, Look at the the college kids. I mean, in Florida's, I guess, trying to change that now, which and to be ahead of the game, but where these kids can't make any money, right? Um, and they're making bunches of money off these kids, millions and millions yeah. of dollars off yeah. of these kids, and they're getting long term injuries. And how many of those college athletes are going into pro athletes? Yeah. They're not. They're getting injured, and yeah, and have nothing to show for it. Right. right. And so, uh, I just it so much is open. Like the other thing that just this week, like I've always. My my kids love pancakes and waffles. Mm-hmm. Like I make that's the our weekend thing is mm-hmm. I make them pancakes and stuff. And I we probably have two or three bottles of Aunt Jemima syrup and mm-hmm. and it's it it blend it you it blends you into lose the background. Sight of it. You lose sight of it because you don't know where it's it so came pervasive. from. Right, right, right. And so uh, you know, I I really think that this is shining a light on again sports you know mm-hmm. through what's happening with Kaepernick and kind of how the NFL is treating right. this and you know now they're saying we were wrong in the way that we looked at it and and what sucks is i think a lot so much of it is financially motivated like before they can't turn a blind eye anymore yeah That's but it's exactly money right. you know yeah. and so and then with prison you know one of the things that i i, I kind of knew but didn't really know is there's a they have clips of like Lee Atwater talking about, they have clips of the Southern strategy talking about the Southern strategy. They had clips talking about how they made uh, possessing this drug much more of a severe penalty than this drug. And those drugs were... Crack versus powder cocaine. cocaine. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Crack got you three times as much time right. as powder cocaine right. because crack was big in the urban areas, the inner cities, and the right. college kids were doing the powder cocaine. So it was another way to imprison... Right. And have servitude from minorities. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the movie itself starts off with 5% of the world's population is in the U.S., 25% of the incarcerated world's population is in the United States. Yeah. Which that number just blows Shocking. my mind. So in any event, you know, as as far along as we like to think that we come, we still have a lot right. further to go. So, uh, you know, yesterday, uh, well, this week we got the rulings on DACA. We got the rulings on LGB mm-hmm. uh, community. And I guess they declined to hear certain cases that were Second Amendment cases. Right. And so Trump yesterday was saying that this was an affront to him and we need more justices and using rhetoric about shotgun blasts and all this other stuff. With it, I just think in the environment of... Sh- he knows exactly what he's saying. Or, 
Well, let's. Do you mind? No, I'm okay. happy to. You know what I think about. Well, him. sure, but I, but I, I, do you, do you think he's a? What was what is it that uh, was it a Putin term like a useful idiot? Do you think he's a useful idiot, or do you think he's smarter than we give him credit for? Do you think it's the people around him? What What do you? I think. Well, I would I would like to think that you can't know everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, and. I would like to think that, you know, for instance, when he picked June 19th for this Oklahoma rally, that it was picked and somebody looked at a calendar and said, somebody else looked and said, that's a really poor idea. I mean, I would think that there are so many layers of things that there are people who say, just like when, you know, that there, when you travel to another country, there's somebody who teaches you what is the proper protocol. Right. That at that level of government, there should be somebody who should second and third and fourth check those kinds of things. And I'm certain that somebody did, and either he doesn't care until yeah. until the pressure became too big, or he thinks that it's going to rally up his base to do it on the 19th and and really um, further um, polarize things. But I don't believe that he didn't know ultimately. So many times throughout this presidency, I've I've found myself saying. Either they don't know or they do know, and I don't know which is worse. Exactly, and that's exactly right. Whether it's Ukraine, whether it's um, did you ever did you watch the? I think I even told you to watch this documentary. I know you're not going to TV, but who's the the guy that's got the Nixon tattoo on his back? Oh, uh, Roger. Um, he, it, not Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes was Fox News. Roger. I know who you're talking about with the funky glasses. Yeah, but uh, so there was a documentary on him on Netflix, and you see. Him and the guy who got sent to prison, mm -hmm. um, you know, they were partners mm -hmm. and they were heavily involved in Nixon's campaign and, and running that and helping basically buy and win elections overseas. And it, the the playbook for what happened to get Trump into office yeah. was right there for everybody to see. Right. Exactly. And, you know, so much of what's happening this is not the first time that it's happened. You can go back and see how they employed these tactics in other elections. Well, exactly right. And the fact that those people people were involved should have just put everybody on notice. Yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, but these are sleazy people. But so you mentioned you're a little bit older than I am. But I, I, I think I had a naivete about that there were safeguards in place. Right. There was things that would keep foreign intervention in our elections from happening. There's safeguards in place that would keep plagues from shutting down our country for periods of time there was and either there was and they were dismantled or there wasn't or there was and they just weren't equipped to actually do anything but you know at this point people ask me you know are you going to let your kids go to school in the fall and my answer to them is i have no idea right. where i'm going to be in august right Right. What will that look like? Right. Because right now we're on the verge of shutting everything down again. Right. Like right. we all could be dead. By, I really right. just don't right. even know what's right. going to happen. Right. Between now and then, and where you know, I felt during prior administrations that there was kind of a bottom. There, there was, was a moral. There was there were people that you that they would listen to. That you know they they had people who gave them advice. And they would at least pay attention to that advice. Yeah. And he doesn't pay attention to that advice unless it is directly related to him and yeah. improving his life. Well, uh, up until very recently, kind of the consensus was he was going to have another term. I, I start to feel like there might, I don't want to get too comfortable about it, 
but it seems like there's a little bit of a sea mm-hmm. change in that thinking. Do you subscribe to that? Or I it's like the boogeyman. So. You don't even want to say it. You, you know, know, you don't you know what jinx I say? yourself. I, I, I say this, and I probably shouldn't say this because I'm going to jinx it. But I often think that Trump is the best thing that happened to the Democratic Party. It's really gotten people who were less involved, more interested in what's happening. It's impacting more people. You know, initially it was his Islamophobia, and then it was his anti-Hispanic rhetoric. And, you know, and he's just, and so all of those different areas, um, and certainly now I find him um, anti-black. I find him anti-Semitic, even though he, and the people that he has in his administration who are Jewish are an embarrassment, as far as I'm concerned. Well, we have uh, the is it McEnany? She's a Jesuit grad. She's the spokesperson. It's oh, funny yeah. that that's kind of an interesting connection because a lot of I mentioned. Uh, you know, I have a good deal of family locally mm-hmm. and, and who are conservative and you know proud of their Jesuit alumni and all this other stuff. And I'm just look, you know, shaking my head and putting my hand over my eyes and just like, oh my god. But well, but you look, you know, what cabinet does he have left from when he started? I mean, it's like Ben Carson, Stephen Miller, and who else? Like, not many people. I don't know. So then I wonder, is it him or is there is there a shot? Not to get too conspiracy, but is there someone at the controls that's feeding him this stuff? Is it Hannity? Is it, you know... Feeding him... Well, he's had kind of a consistency in bigotry, a consistency in prejudice, and is it just him, or is there a, a is there a, a deeper? You know, they always talk about the deep state on the the left. Is there a, you know, why is he in there? Is it something that he really wanted to do because of narcissism, or is it because other people thought that they could kind of get their the results they wanted through him. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of it. I mean, look what he's done with taxes. Look what he's done to the economy. Look what he has done to a lot of things. I mean, putting Ben Carson in front of in, in charge of HUD, it, it's yeah. kind of an affront. Well, I mean, and what's the the Betsy DeVos and Oh my goodness. Yeah, just um, people who truly don't understand it. And you know, and and I look at somebody like Ben Carson. He's a brain surgeon, so he's obviously a bright man. Yeah. Um, but, but I've met he, a lot of brain surgeons and who don't have a, a breath of of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And um, some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, and you just go, "Yeah, what world do you live in? Have you read a newspaper? Have you ever read a history book? Yeah. Have you paid attention to the news your entire life? I mean, how do you how do you not be aware of all of the rest of the world? It's again either you know or you don't know, and which is worse. And right. it's again with Candace Owens, you know. Yeah. Are you an opportunist or are you just so out of touch with reality right. that you are able to kind of turn a blind eye to blatant, right. fa- right. objectively true empirical data? Right, right. You right. know, it's just it's just mind numbing. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Biden, I, I, Biden, I, I've always enjoyed as kind mm-hmm. of your funny uncle. Uh, I don't know that he would be my first pick for the office, mm-hmm. but I guess I have to kind of re re uh, imagine why what it is you need in a candidate and especially what do you need in a candidate in this election and uh I think he hits he, he hits it all yeah. um the things i really like about biden is he has a lot of experience and some of the things you look back he has a tremendous amount of experience and what you've seen from the beginning of his career to the president is he's evolved he's somebody who can look at things and say this was my position but I was I wrong, now. and yeah. now I know better. Right. The other thing that you really have to appreciate about him is, which you can't with this current president, is if he doesn't know something, he goes to people who truly knows the answer. And that's so important. It's so important. You and to listen to them. And, and to, to listen, li- yes. exactly. And his empathy. How do you, 
how do you get on the news every day like this moron has done and not express sympathy for all of these victims of this disease? Yeah. Not be sympathetic to the family members of these um, young men and women who are who are shot killed. by police. Yeah. And how do you just not do that? And Biden's is that. I mean, he's genuinely a kind, kind person yeah. and um, and smart. Yeah. Do you think he's? I, I, we had this discussion before. Uh, you know, the the, the kind of the the uh, attack vector that they use on him now is that he's kind of softening. You know, intellectually softening, mentally. I don't. I don't really see that. You yeah. know, I, I people. I've had people, and there's a particular lawyer. He'll know who he is. Who we who he keeps saying, "Oh, he's mentally unfit." Yeah. I don't see that at all. I think he's really bright. He's never been a great public speaker. Yeah. Um. You know, and and he's struggled with a stutter and he struggles with the right word sometimes yeah but yet he always says the right thing well so, he reminds, yeah he reminds me of my father because my father the the great gift that he gave me that is kind of a double-edged sword is the use of sarcasm and mm-hmm. not you know i use it when i'm uncomfortable i use mm-hmm. it when i'm nervous i right. use it in inappropriate situations right. but there is kind of an underlying truth there and there's a story that that to know my father, you would you would have loved him. He went mm-hmm. to University of Florida before he was in the seminary, and he lived in the poorest part of of Gainesville. And he worked with a lot of black families and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And you know, all growing up, he always said he wanted to adopt a, a, a you know whatever. But he was a uh, biology teacher. He taught at uh, Northeast High, he taught at mm-hmm. Bogusieg, he taught at Mirror Lake. And uh, one time, they were passing out microscopes to the class, and they didn't have enough microscopes for all of the students. And it happened to be that one of the girls that he they like he had ran out and the, the girl said well, why didn't why don't I get a microscope and he knew what she was trying to get at with him and he said well because you're black and he almost got thrown out of the school because of that he was he right. was being sarcastic right. he was right. he was calling her out on what she right. was trying to right. assert about him not the best answer not where he should have right. gone but Biden in a lot of ways I think he kind of resorts to being tongue-in-cheek or jovial right. and it doesn't always come across right. the way that you know right. so i have experience of that with yeah. my father and so biden in a lot of ways reminds me of that but bringing us to the next topic you know this cliffhanger of vp who it's going to mm-hmm. be i saw i guess klobacher yesterday backed out and mm-hmm. said i think it should be a woman of color and right. so um you know i know we have uh stacy abrams uh, now she says she hasn't been vetted which I find shocking. Did you listen to that podcast? No, I did not yet. I, make, gonna, I will. I will. I'll get. I'll put it I'm on in the car. I'm giving you a home. list. I'm yes, giving you yes. a list of things to watch and I listen to. I spend a lot of time in the car, so podcasts are my life. Yeah. So, um, so Kamala. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the other one that I'm that I'm thinking of? There's like two or three that I'm missing. Um, from Orlando, yeah. the police chief. Um, Getting old sucks, doesn't it? Uh, tell me about <laughs> it. Um. God, I can picture her clear as yeah. day. Well, who do you like? I love Stacy. Yeah. I think she's awesome. You've got to listen to that podcast. She's just... Did you know that she was a, a fiction writer? Mm-mm. She wrote spy slash romance novels under a, a, a nom de plume or whatever. Actually, I think I did know that because wasn't there somebody who made some comment yeah. about... Yeah. Snide comment about her writing, but she, but but she was she was uh she was in drama club and acting classes and all. But she she has so many, she's so dy- more dynamic than I even expected right. her to be. And listening to her, I was like, wow, like I really love this mind. I really mm-hmm. love what this mind is capable of. And I think it would be such a great 
counterpoint or, or kind of, right. you know. Uh, he needs somebody who compliments him. Yeah. He really does. The only does. thing I worry about, I like Kamala a lot. I like, I like her personality. She's brash. She's tough. She's all these things. But the prosecutorial background. 100%. It's a real problem. Yeah. I worry about, problem. especially in today's environment. Um, and then I saw something this morning, and I didn't, I didn't get to look into it further, but somebody suggested that Klobuchar um, saying that it needed to be a woman of color was sort of in an effort to make Kamala Harris not eligible. And I'm not sure I understand that. Is she not a woman of color? Or, I'm not sure. Uh, well, she kind of, yeah, they kind of relegate her to some kind of third option, you know, yeah. that, I don't know. It's so I, bizarre. I, I didn't know what that meant, and so I'll have to read that later, but didn't have Well, I, my, my, you know, I, I really try and, you know, do you know the Thacker family? Uh, they do family law over in Pinellas County. Uh, John and Greg are the sons, but the father runs the firm. I don't think so. So I'm, I'm, uh, uh, they they kind of came in after I did, but I'm good friends with Greg, and you know we always kind of have running conversations about politics. And you know one of the big problems as we see it is people don't talk about what's really happening. They talk about inflated, sensationalized, conspiratorial mm-hmm. theories on what's going on, and if they dialed down the rhetoric and didn't sensationalize it all, mm-hmm. and really kind of gave a nuanced philosophical you know, discussion of things that might, might progress us forward more. Um, so I say that to say this, I try to really not get into the conspiracies of everybody yesterday was sending me the upside down red triangle and, yeah. and, you know, look what they posted and all this stuff. And I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, and again, like either they knew or they didn't, <laughs> yeah. but, but the difference is if you do that and you don't know, and I can, I, we can't know everything. Then you say I didn't realize it, and you ba- and you say I yeah, made a mistake. Sorry. I didn't intend you don't to do that. Down. Yeah. You don't double down, and that's the difference. Yeah, but uh, so here's where I'm going with this: is I was almost wondering if the L- the LGB and the and the DACA rulings and the gun stuff was almost kind of laying down to incite the base for vo- for voting. Do you think that that's a possibility? No. No. Okay. No. That was something that occurred to me. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they got it right. I'm happy that they got mm-hmm. it right. Obviously, Kavanaugh was the <laughs> opinion on at least one of those. Um, but Gorsuch and Robertson, you know. It's a little bit like the Warren Court, right? Yeah. They thought they had all these conservative justices. And then look at all of those. Yeah. Um, Miranda and all yeah. of those um, opinions that came right. out at that right. time. Right. And it turned out to be a very liberal court. Well, I don't know if he was saying he wants to have more than nine justices on the Supreme Court or he wants to have new justices <laughs> instead of who's on. I don't even know what can't even begin point to guess. that he was making. But uh so I mean do you th- my thinking of this election is that he was an unknown quantity the first time and he no longer is. So mm-hmm. I think that removes part of the moderate on the fence vote that he got. I think his base is going to vote for him you know, and then they don't have the anti-Hillary sent, right. se- sentiment that they mm-hmm. had. So I have to think a lot of those things go in Biden's favor. I I know a fair amount of conservative Republicans who are not going to vote for Trump, who yeah. can't. They can't stomach him at this point. And even the people who say, well, and, and this is a whole nother issue, but say I'm only a Republican for economic purposes. You can't look at this president and say he's made good economic decisions at all. Yeah, and and again, I the I trying to dial down the rhetoric, but a lot of times I hear the, you know, I'm I'm fiscally conservative right. is is I'll turn my eye to a lot of pretty awful 
behavior as long as my taxes are low right. and I can right. make business right. makes money. Right. And it's like, you know, at what what cost are you making money, you know? Right. So. Look at look at all these environmental protections. That just drives me nuts. Don't people look at that and go, it may be okay for my lifetime, but it's not going to be okay for my children and my and ultimately just look my at the, grandchildren. The way that the hurricanes have changed right. and the play the you know, we're going to start seeing a lot more of that kind of stuff coming through and you know, the easier it is for people to travel, the easier it is going to be, you know, there's just, I, I, I had, you know, but for my son being born in the past three years, mm-hmm. four years, it's been a pretty dark in my life four years between him taking the presidency in 2016, my dad passing in 2018, my mom passing in 2019, mm-hmm. and then all this shit that's going on this year, I'm just like, is this just the steady decline of, you know, or is it, they're an ebb and a flow? Is it going to be, you know, is this like the 60s and, you know, the civil rights movement and, you know, Vietnam and we're just kind of in a low point? I, well, I can tell you when he won, um, it, I, I went into really a depression yeah. for, for a very long time. It was really hard for me to, to look at that and see. But I also, you know, I've gone to a lot of these protests and I am just thrilled to see people of all different ages and all different backgrounds coming out and participating in this. And um, it does give me a tremendous amount of hope. You that did that things... march last weekend, did. didn't you? Yeah, did. Bayshore, yeah. Mm-hmm. You asked me to be a chaperone, not a, what was the word? It's the... A legal observer. Yeah, a legal mm-hmm. observer. Which mm-hmm. I would, if, if the opportunity should right. provide, my wife was out of town and I was alone with the kids, which right. I was trying to think, how am I going to have a two and a six-year-old? It, it wouldn't have yeah, been. Yeah, It was, so I took both my girls and my oldest, who was old enough to do this, was a safety marshal. My okay. youngest just marched with us. Um, and, and it was phenomenal. It was just great to see. And the people from Black Lives Matter who did the organizing did an incredible job. And um, it, was, it was very and impressive. And are your daughters following in your footsteps? Are yes. they? Is this a conversation you're having with them? And All the time. And, yeah. you know, and, and the, the funny thing about it is um, they're very involved in politics and um, LGBT rights and all of that kind of stuff, and they think I'm very moderate. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, and I get a kick out of that. But yeah. I'm but I'm thrilled that they that yeah. they, um, you know, I I often stumble over gender issues. I do too, unintentionally, to... completely unintentionally, um, and they are always correcting me, and and I appreciate they're correcting me. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate that. You want you want the world a little bit better for your children than for you, and and to pass that on. One hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to Brian about that, and I was like, one of the things that you know, I really want to try and do is figure out how to introduce my children to people of other faiths, other cultures, other heritage. And so, you know, my daughter went to JCC, and this is mm-hmm. before I knew right. I had any Jewish, you know, yeah. in my family. So. Uh, you know, and in, in South Tampa, it's Shaharazetic or JCC are one of the right. two big options. So it's not a, that it was any great, you know, altruistic attempt mm-hmm. at our part. But I really enjoyed her getting that mm-hmm. experience and that education. Uh, you know, I've, you know, uh, often thought about what else can I be doing? So I'll tell you some of the things that we've done. So my children are also very interested in other religions uh-huh. and also the commonality which is, you know, we, we're Jewish, and so always, you know, Christmas time, we're always sort of excluded in all these other things. So what we have done over the years is um, we've gone to different religious places. There is a beautiful Indian temple on Lynn Road, 
And so one Not of my the Buddhist friends, temple and no, we've been there many times, yeah. but there's an Indian yeah. temple and it's uh, when we're done, I'll show yeah, you pictures. It's just, it's outstanding. But a friend of mine wanted to take her children as well. So we called in advance and they told us the great the date and a great time to come. And they were phenomenally welcoming and not that we were interested in becoming that but just learning about we just it. wanted to learn seeing and they were so kind and so welcoming and it was what a wonderful experience and we've done that with lots of different things do you guys travel much with them yes mm-hmm. that's another yeah mm-hmm. in, invaluable right part, you know i really think yeah as much as we spend on school and as much as we spend on these other things extracurriculars and all this other stuff i really wish families would budget for yeah and again, with COVID, I don't know what that future looks like, right. but travel outside of our country because... My oldest has um, wanderlust very badly. Okay. And so after high school, she took a gap year. She spent a year in Israel. Oh, wow. And then... You've been there too, right? I've been there too while she was living there. Oh, and wow. then she also went to Poland while she was there. And then after college... And so she went... She saves her money. She got a bartending license. And she raised all of her own money. She went to Japan and... Oh, wow. She, she then went, um, she got, she hosted, you know, the... Um, the exchange students or... No, she she went to Israel, led a group to Israel, and from there went to Greece and some other places, came back. And then when she graduated college, she went initially with the boyfriend, but he was out of the picture before she left. Oh, okay. But she went to Taiwan and to Hong Kong and Japan and China and Scotland and England and... Laos and ended up working as an au pair in Spain until oh COVID God. hit. And so she's planning right now to head on back. And so what's the plan going forward? She's trying to get a teaching job in Spain, but she's got to get the job first. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. She sounds great. She's That's a neat awesome. kid. They're That's both awesome. neat kids. I can't thank you enough for taking yeah. time out of your day. Uh, I know you got to drive up to Dade City later, but I, I just find you to be extremely interesting and I love your views on things and uh, it was great to have you come by. Hopefully, I can have you in again. Maybe yeah. as we get closer to the election, or maybe after the election, we can do a uh, post-game analysis. Okay. So, thank you again. Fingers crossed. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Take care, Lori.